and welcome to the One Degree Shift podcast. I'm your host, Eric Termundi, and I'm excited to introduce you to the wonderful guests I've got on season two and the little things they're doing to create a more intentional future for themselves, for their teams, and for the communities around them. I hope you enjoy. Dipti Salapek, thank you so much for joining the One Degree Shift podcast. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks, Eric. And thanks for having me. This is awesome. You know, I've been following you on uh, on the social media platforms for a while now, blown away by the work that you did. I thought, you know what, she's, she's got to be on, on the show. I really appreciate the work that you're doing, but I don't want guests to hear it from me. I want them to hear it from you. So to tell us a little bit about what you're up to and what excites you most right now. Yeah, absolutely. So I think and probably every single HR leader will say this, this has been a curveball year uh, in so many ways because we've had to battle on so many different fronts, whether it's diversity or COVID, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the flip side of it is it's raised uh, the bar on HR across the board. So when I think of what I'm doing now, it's, it's at the forefront of innovation of the whole industry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and not because I am particularly innovative, but it's because this is what the industry is doing now. After mm-hmm. a decade of kind of stagnancy or playing around the edges sure, of innovation, sure. we have had to transform ourselves. And so, um, for example, later this week, we'll be rolling out to the company a whole different kind of flexible working arrangement style, right? You've heard the term, I'm sure, future of work and how people are thinking <laughs> about it. And we're kind of of trying to go and say let's give it to our employees rather than us as a company saying mm-hmm. we're going to promote first or we're going to be in office or anything we're just going to tell people they can work as they want to and we've created customized benefits plans that work with each different kind of work arrangement so we're really trying to be agile really trying mm-hmm. to be innovative mm-hmm. and meet employees where they are and this unfortunate environment has given us an opportunity to play with that is where we are now where we were perhaps going to be in five or 10 years? Has COVID been a catalyst to get us to this point that perhaps we would be anyways? There's no doubt to me that COVID is accelerated the concept of remote work just by proving mm-hmm. that it was possible. So it removed all the resistors on sure. the idea. Having said that, there's so many other areas in which we've had to innovate, which is outside of remote work. And mm-hmm. I think a part of this is around like listening to our employees. It's mm-hmm. exposing vulnerability in leadership. It's brought these other things to the yeah. forefront that I'm not 100% sure would have happened without a COVID. Okay, so tell me a little bit about this flexible work arrangement then. Can you tell me a little bit about the process that got you to, to where you are today? I mean, I can think of a couple of roadblocks or speed bumps that you might have incurred along the way. Example being someone on the team might want to come back and work with the rest of their immediate team, but then a couple of people might want to stay at home and work remotely. How are you overcoming some of those obstacles along the way to ensure that a flexible sort of future of work lived in environment is one that works for everyone. Yeah. The only way you can really do it, I think, is by going purely remote first. So Mm. if you have a meeting that is six people in the office and two remote, the two remote will be marginalized and sidelined just by default of how group dynamics work. If, on the other hand, you say even the six in the office have to operate like it's remote. So, for example, everyone dials in on Zoom on their laptops or whatever, even if they're in the same room, it changes the dynamics of who does what. Like the one good thing with going remote, there's two really positive 
piece, pieces of feedback we've heard in the dynamics, right? One is leadership has become a lot more accessible. And I don't know why, but mm. people felt like leaders were only approachable when they saw them, that the optics mm. mattered. And it's just a psychological barrier. It's like sure, everyone's sure, at sure. the end of a Slack DM at the end of the day, but they weren't doing it. And now, because that's gone and all you have is Slack has democratized that approachability somehow. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. that's one. And the second thing is it's democratized group dynamics. Everyone's suddenly got an equal voice mm. in meetings and conversations and in discussions. And, that, and you want to keep that. So when we go back to any kind of hybrid format, mm-hmm. we are so particular and mindful about not losing the gains that we've made in those dynamics. So mm-hmm. we're really trying to think through that piece. Uh, and I think the answer comes honestly with operating like it's remote first, no matter where people are. Tell me about the listening process that it took to get here. You know, I hear a lot of leaders say, you know, we got to listen to our people. We got to put people first. And I think that a lot of them mean that sincerely and, and are working their best to execute that. But what I'm sort of inferring is that the listening that you did didn't happen in like a pulse survey or a quick survey monkey analysis. Can you tell me a little bit about that process and then, you know, what you learned from it and how you're starting to act on, on what you heard? So a few different things, right? So we did have a survey and that gives us some data on it. But what it gave us, the data that it said that 66% of our people aren't comfortable or planning to return to work in the same format. So it gave, it told us, hey, there's orders of magnitude around this, but not much more, right? Like the survey wasn't our means to then find out what do people want. Then we have a people experience team that is calling on a rotational basis somewhere between five or 10 employees a week to just hear What's working? What isn't working? Where are you concerned? Where are you not concerned? So it's mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. not quantitative; it's qualitative. But you actually start getting cross sections of employee populations and voices right. being heard. Then we have a very vocal people manager team. That's our frontline managers, um, and we have like Slack groups for them where we start asking them questions, and we get a ton of feedback there that we're hearing. And like most of the feedback is, "Hey, from." My employee who used to live in London now suddenly wants to move to Switzerland. Is that okay? Yes or no? You know, it's like, it can be any kind of question. And we have to think through, wow, that like, if this one person wants to do it, there's some part of our demographic that wants to Mm -hmm. do it. How are we addressing remote work in international locations? Sure. So all these questions start raising policies. The other side of it, again, from our frontline managers is my team is so, like it was one thing to cobble things together during COVID when we were going to be remote for six months or whatever. It kept getting longer, but it was a temporary period of time. And it's very different now where now people are saying they're moving all over the place. I'm going to have a remote team. Like, how do I manage that? What should I be thinking about? Because now it's, this is the forever state. And so Mm -hmm. these are very different issues, right? And so when we start hearing all these questions percolate up for us it's it's, yes we have to answer the question but it's a listening game it's like oh these are the topics that are suddenly what what's shaping what's on people's minds like there's no point Mm -hmm. having an hr strategy if it isn't Mm -hmm. addressing what's on people's minds right there and then and so we've kind of tried to think through in our flex work model part of it is like what are the different arrangements that people can have when you're Mm -hmm. working Mm -hmm. virtually or or in office or whatever but the other part of it is how are we supporting our people managers like Mm -hmm. what is this what does it mean to manage remote teams have we taught them how to make sure that everyone has an equitable voice at the table when two might be in office and two might be remote exactly to Mm -hmm. your question Mm -hmm. have we trained them with tactics with a little plan on how to do this. The other piece we're asking is how does recruiting work? Like, Do you look for different competencies now 
versus before. And one, and you know, I spent some time with one of the leaders at uh, GitLab, a hundred percent remote. You know, famous for it. They've built a lot of best practices. So I mm-hmm. asked them, like, as mm-hmm. you think about it, like, what was what is fundamentally different? And they said, honestly, the game changer for us was when we started with recruiting. It was what I meant. Um, was when we started interviewing people. We started interviewing and assessing for written communication skills. We never hmm. did that before, but when you suddenly start thinking that so much collaboration happens on Slack, your ability to articulate in a succinct manner what hmm. you're trying to think actually is a game changer and a differentiator. Well, we, yeah. We've never looked for written communication skills, <laughs> but as soon as he said it, I was like, ah, it's a no-brainer, you know? Yeah. Um, so those are the kinds of things where it doesn't work if you just roll out this is how you live and where you work from. Mm-hmm. You have to think about it holistically and say almost every aspect of how we operate then changes. As you're telling me this, I'm thinking that the traditional notion of workplace culture is out the window. You know, I'm talking like colors and fonts and brands and logos everywhere. You know, how we interact at the water cooler, what it looks like and our habits and our routines are at work. To me, if I were to critically look at the last couple of eight or let's just say eight months, I would say that we've seen sort of like the the greatest decentralization of culture that perhaps we've ever seen And that culture might live more on the team level than it might at the organizational level, despite looking to accomplish the same mission, the same vision, you know, complete the same goals. How do you ensure that everyone's marching to the same beat of the drum while still encouraging each different team to find their identity and what works best for them too? I, you know, honestly, I think COVID, this is probably the biggest place it has impacted. It has strengthened so dramatically the notion of culture. And here's what I mean. Like you could, when you were working from offices, you could rely on the, I don't know, the organic edamame that you kept in the office or whatever. That could be a big part of your culture or the ping pong mm-hmm, table. Mm-hmm. And now when that's gone, you've got to think of what are my values? What are the behaviors? Like how do we interact with each other? Culture has become deeper by default because we've removed the superfluous stuff. And I think that to your point about now you can't rely on logos and fonts and stuff, you can't. And it really comes down to like mm-hmm. leadership and values and behaviors that people observe. And so, for instance, when we got this feedback that our leadership is so much more accessible now than it, than it was, we had a real think about it. Like, what changed? Because we do our monthly right. update. Like, I mean, like, what's different in what we do? And and we started thinking through. Well, if people are appreciating this, if they're seeing something, let's put our leaders at the forefront. So, organize mm-hmm. different kinds of AMA sessions, etc. Right? Mm-hmm. Make them more accessible because we're here in transparency. Whereas, honestly, the questions before would be like, why isn't there enough meeting rooms in our office? Why isn't there like it was so often oriented mm-hmm. as opposed to values oriented around transparency accessibility decision making etc so i think that's a huge win for us up uh, fine i couldn't i couldn't agree more then how do we look at like sort of cross team collaboration without having you know let's just call them not not important but very simple you know office happy hours or something like that how do we ensure that our sphere of communication isn't limited to our immediate team and perhaps leadership as well yeah I'm in the middle of organizing this company-wide week-long event, which we used Mm -hmm. to do. We used to pull the whole company together once a year. Globally, everyone stays together for a week. Mm -hmm. So easy to drive energy in that moment. Of course. Beach town, hotel, go have some fun. And now I have to do it on Zoom. And like, Mm -hmm. I cannot tell you how much I have racked my brains on this concept. Mm -hmm. And here's what... 
who knows if it's right or wrong. Everyone's experimenting in this. So sure, I will sure. start and say it's not like we've cracked the nut. But here's what we're finding. A, we've blurred boundaries between personal life and work. And I don't mean like people are working all the time. I just mean people mm -hmm. aren't, aren't differentiating. So perfect example, we've started these fitness challenges. We're also worried like it's getting winter and everyone's going indoors and COVID mm -hmm. and like people aren't exercising and stuff, right? So we've started this fitness challenge and this will come back to your question of how do you get cross-group collaboration where it's inter-team collaborations and competitions, right? And then you have either this team or that team or this location or that location all competing to get steps together and uh -huh, pe and uh -huh. people are gravitating towards it more than they mm -hmm. would have in the past we're doing our company color is purple it's like our whatever our logo thing sure, sure. Um, yeah. and then so we're now about to launch this challenge which is like because everyone's cooking so much like cook something purple and let's okay. put that on yeah. Instagram. And it's hard. Yeah. Like, there's not a lot of purple food out there. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and so, but like that kind of stuff, people are, is really resonating with people. And then you find those who are passionate about cooking start mm -hmm. grouping together on that as opposed to the mm -hmm. team that are normal mm -hmm. structure. Those who like running group together on the other stuff. Um, and so I think that's how we're looking at it. But the other part is we're focusing a lot of time on levity. So I think one of the things that Zoom culture has done is it's taken away water cooler chat, right? Like mm -hmm. you're not joking around anymore. You jump on a Zoom meeting, you're trying to keep it to 25 minutes instead of the 45 you had before. It's like, boom, boom, boom. Who's got the agenda? What's the bullets? Boom. A decision made, everyone hangs out. But like, when are you building trust and relationship and mm -hmm. learning about someone's dog and like whatever else is going on? That's not happening anymore, right? So like even as we plan our events, it's how do you intersperse it with like, so I'll give you another example. We've asked people to do these lightning talks, quick five-minute presentations during our, mm -hmm. our company-wide mm -hmm. event um, on something where they personally grew as a person. We have one person saying, I like these three characters in the Chinese alphabet have fundamentally changed the way I live my life. Someone else is talking about how MS, how they fought through MS and are still fighting through MS and it's made them a more resilient person. Like these are beautiful. We're bringing these stories into the work environment to start normalizing them, like changing the nature mm -hmm. of conversation, adding depth and meaning to things. So Honestly, to come back to your original point, my original point, like, I don't know if this will work. We're also trying in the same way that everyone's tinkering with this. But I think mm -hmm. the answer is that there are very different and combined boundaries now between what, where people get mm -hmm. personal meaning and purpose and where, where the work starts and ends. I, I just want to pause and, and congratulate you for, for, for the work that you're doing. I mean, we talk about inclusion, you know, we talk about diversity, uh, we talk about equity and equality. To provide the varying opportunities to the folks that you have, I think is incredibly admirable. Uh, I think also knowing that you don't have all the answers and are just working through it and building this culture of experimentation is commendable as well. I guess that's a final question that I would have for you. There's the invitation to participate but the reality is folks might just be tired at the end of the day. And I'm not saying that these folks are actively disengaged or not valuable contributors to the team. Um, what do you do to preserve, not preserve, but to enhance that, that collaboration, that belonging, that team building when folks, you know, are inevitably exhausted, uh, but still 
it's not that they, again, it's not that they don't want to participate. It's not like they're not, you know, a part of the team and, and loved by all. How do you balance more and opportunity with, with, with fatigue, with everything that this pandemic has thrown our way, with other personal roles and responsibilities that we might not have had back when we were in the simpler times in the office, per se? So I think it's hard because Zoom fatigue is a real thing. I honestly think the way we are doing it is trying to encourage and value the time that's off Zoom as much as it's on Zoom. So for example, I told you the mm -hmm. fitness challenge or the cooking challenge. That's like, like, you don't need to be on screen with someone else. We're saying, do something mm -hmm. that you would have done in your normal life mm -hmm. anyway, you know? And yeah. But bond on that. Um, we had this like silly dog Instagram challenge because our logo is a dog. Mm -hmm. uh, everyone could put dress up their dog and put pictures. And it was a Halloween mm -hmm. kind of fun thing. Mm -hmm. um, but like people bond over that kind of stuff where it's not like spend another hour of your day staring at each other's Right, that, And that's what I was getting at. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we, ha we have to give them that time. We're like about to roll out this whole thing of Zoom blocks, which is like, hey, everyone, like at least half a day a week, no meetings, go, go do something else, you know, mm -hmm. work, don't work. Honestly, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't care as long as like you're meeting your goals, like just invest in yourself in whatever way is sustainable for you. This I, yeah. I believe is the, is the future of work. Um, Dipti, yeah. is there anything else that you want to share with us today? I think it's like, and you said it right there at the end, it's this idea of like agility. I think we live in this, I mean, I'm sure you know the term VUCA, like volatile, uncertain, et cetera. And I say et cetera, because I really blanked out on the other two, but I don't know if it matters after you say volatile. But it's this idea that you are, are just like the world's turning and it is absolutely unpredictable. And the best that we can do, I heard this saying somewhere, and forgive me because I cannot remember who I got it from, mm -hmm. but I'm plagiarizing it. I will tell you that. It's like, the best laid plans will never survive contact with the ground, but it was mm -hmm. never the, the plan that was important. It was the process of planning, the mm -hmm. thinking about it, the hearing mm -hmm. from people, the figuring out how you're making decisions and what are the relevant factors. That's the piece that matters. And, and so all this to say, it's like, it's a world that whatever plan you make is not going to survive contact with the ground. That's just what's happening today. And it doesn't matter if you have a good thought process, if you have a re reliable schematics for how decisions are made, if you know who owns what, if there's clarity and responsibilities, that's the stuff that keeps you productive and winning going forward. Oh man, this is this has been an incredible conversation, Dipti. Is there any way that uh, folks who are interested could uh, connect with you? Absolutely. So LinkedIn is probably the best mm -hmm. place. I'm very responsive on that. I know a lot of mm -hmm. people aren't, but I try and like respond to everyone. Uh, it's Dipti Salapak. So felt like good to see it. Okay. Uh, listen, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, I really do appreciate it, and uh, I'm excited to follow along the journey. Likewise, thank you so much, Eric.